Well, welcome everybody and thanks for joining me today from wherever you are. Many of you are still in your homes, in your bubbles. Here in New Zealand, we're getting some more uh, restrictions lifted off us, which is great. Hey, so good to hear from my three favorite girls on Mother's Day. They are just awesome. I love them so much. But hey, happy Mother's Day to all of you out there. I know during lockdown, you had to work a bit harder, more home-cooked meals, looking after the children, a bit of homeschooling. So it's been tough. And your celebration with partial lockdown in New Zealand is going to be a bit tougher as well. But hey, we just want to know, we want you to know we love you, appreciate you, but we actually love all the women, <laughs> whether you're a mother or not, you're all of great value to us and you add a lot of color to the world. Hey, um, mothers teach us a lot. So I read a few things that might just uh, catch your interest for a moment. So here we go. My mother taught me about religion. You better pray that that will come out of the carpet. My mother taught me logic because I said so. That's why. <laughs> My mother taught me about set stamina. Uh, you'll sit here until all the spinach is gone. My mother taught me about anticipation. Just wait till dad gets home. <laughs> My mother taught me about justice. One day you'll have kids and I hope they turn out just like you. All right. My mother taught me about receiving. You're going to get it when you get home. All right. And one last one. If at first you don't succeed, do it how your mother told you in the first place. All right, I want us to look today at uh, one of the great women of the Bible. Her name was Ruth. So let's just pray. Father, we thank you for your presence. We thank you for this Mother's Day. We pray a special blessing on all the mums and all the women. But Lord, we pray now that you'll speak to us through the life of this wonderful person we found, find in the scriptures, a Ruth. And Lord, how you worked amazingly in her life from a place of struggle and despair to a place of becoming the ancestress of Jesus Christ. So, Father, speak to our hearts, every one of us, by your Holy Spirit, I pray, in Jesus' name. Amen. So the key for Ruth to go from despair to destiny was actually five very simple choices, choices that we can all make. I just want to say a few things about choices because that scares a few people when you mention it. And the first thing is we've all made bad choices. We've all made mistakes. I've made plenty before I saved. And would you believe it? Yeah, even after I have been saved. But God can redeem every bad choice. Moses killed or every bad activity. Abraham lied. David committed adultery. Jonah ran from the call of God and Peter denied the Lord three times, but they all stepped in to a great future that God had for them. So bad choices in the past do not disqualify you from a great future ahead for you. But the second point about this is that choices you now make create your future. It's like it's in your hands to create a better future for yourself by making the right choices, simple choices. And despite your past, think about this, your future is spotless, unblemished, untarnished. It's as good as anyone else's. 
So it's in your hand. So let's have a look at uh, the story of Ruth. We find it in uh, the book of Ruth, obviously. I want to read to you chapter, uh, chapter 1, verse 1 to 5. Now it came to pass in the days when the judges ruled, there was a famine in the land. And a certain man of Bethlehem of Judah went to dwell in the country of Moab, and he and his wife and his two sons. The name of the man was Elimelech, and the name of his wife was Naomi. The names of his two sons were Malon and Chilion, Ephrathites of Bethlehem, Judah. And they went to the country of Moab and remained there. Then Elimelech, Naomi's husband, died, and she was left and her two sons. Now they took wives of the woman of Moab. The name of the one was Orpah, and the name of the other was Ruth. And they dwelt there about 10 years. Then both Mahlon and Chilion also died. So the woman survived her two sons and her husband. So here we are. Naomi, husband dies. Ruth and Orpah, their husbands die. And here they are, all left in the land of Moab. So Naomi decides that she's going to go back to Israel, the God of her fathers. And she urges her two daughters-in-law. And they say, now you stay here in Moab, even though it was with godless families. So the outcome of this is we read in verse 14 to 17. Then they lifted up their voices and wept again. Orpah kissed her mother-in-law, but Ruth clung to her. Ruth said, entreat me not to leave you or turn back from following after you. For wherever you go, I will go. And wherever you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people, your God, my God. Where you die, I will die. And there will I be buried. The Lord do so to me and more also, if anything but death parts you and me. So both Orpah and Ruth face a very difficult choice. They can stay in godless Moab, but probably be looked after and cared for well. Or else they can go with Niobe to Israel and possibly face loneliness and even poverty. They were between a rock and a hard choice. So we know that Orpah, she chooses to stay in Moab. She kisses Naomi goodbye, not realizing that at the same time she was kissing goodbye to following God and also the great future that he had for her. Ruth on the other side, she chooses to go with Naomi. It was a tough road. It was a road less travel. But can I tell you this? Tough roads lead to good destinations and good results. And sometimes we have to choose the tough road. So the first great choice I want to encourage you to make is the one that Ruth made to follow the one true living God. Today's language, to follow Jesus and not to follow the gods or stay with the gods of Moab. Here's a quote for you by Mark Edwin Markham. Choices are the hinges of destiny. Wow. Choices are the hinges of destiny. Now, the second right choice that Ruth makes is she says these words, where you go, I will go. What's happening here? So Ruth, is, she lets go her rights to do as she pleased. And she places a huge trust in following Naomi. Where you go, I'll go. Do you know most writers or many writers speak of Naomi as a type of the Holy Spirit? So when we commit our lives to God, 
The second great choice to make is simply this. Lord, where you lead, I will follow. Not my will, but yours be done. That's a great decision to make. It's putting your life and your future into the hands of God and saying, God, I trust you. You can do a better job with my life than I can. And isn't that the truth? It's a simple decision, but a very, very important one to make. See, common sense and Orpah's decision would have made it harder for Ruth to make the opposite decision to go with Naomi. And you know, one of the challenges that we face in life is that people around us may choose a less surrendered lifestyle. They may not want to go all the way with God and that puts pressure on us. Like we want to be fully committed, but others around us don't want to be so committed to us. It's like for them, God is in the passenger seat. He's not got the steering wheel. I want to encourage you, give God the steering wheel. Don't treat God like a spare tire that we just pull out in times of emergency and of great need. When I became a pastor many decades ago now, a person that I knew well and respected me visited me in my office one day and said, Tark, don't waste your life following this pathway. You've got two degrees. You're a lawyer, you're an accountant. Go out there and make something of your life. Pursue you know, your gifts and the abilities that you've been given. And I remember when that happened, I was deeply stirred within my heart. It hit me hard. I remember going to another pastor and said, you need to pray for me. Something's been said to me that I don't want it to get inside my heart. And thankfully, by the grace of God, I held to the decision that Ruth made and said, God, where you lead, I will follow. Not my will, but yours be done. And you know what my testimony is today? Matthew 6, 33. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. I'm so glad I made that right choice. I want to encourage you to make the same choice. But then there's a third choice that Naomi makes. Sorry, there's a third choice Ruth makes. And she says this, where you die, there I will die. In other words, Ruth had no plans to ever go back to Moab and the godless lifestyle that was there. It was a wholehearted decision that she was going to follow God for the rest of her life. Here's the third choice. I want to encourage you to make. It's this, that you will never, ever turn back from following God, from following Jesus. That choice is massive. And you know, it's a choice you can make. When you make that choice, something gets established in your heart. I know of too many people who've walked away from God. Some of them were at Bible college with me for two years. Some were pastors who've walked away from God. Some of them are not even Christians any longer. Make the decision. It's one of the best you'll make. Just say to yourself, even say it as you're listening to me, I will never, ever go back to my old lifestyle. That is a fantastic decision to make. They say that from the field of Boaz, where Ruth was gleaning, under the heat of the sun for a meager living, she could look up and she could see the mountains of her homeland in the distance. There must have been days when the comfortable lifestyle that she had left 
was calling her back, beckoning her to return. It was so hard in her newfound faith. It was difficult. And the fields of Moab were calling her. But Ruth was determined. There was no turning back. The old song we used to sing, I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. There's no turning back. Can I encourage you? No matter how hard it gets, and it will get hard. No matter how difficult it gets, and it will get difficult. You've made up your mind. There's no going back. There's no going back to the old ways and the old lifestyle. Here's another quote for you. Every choice you make, makes you. Well, make some right choices. They'll make you. They'll make you a better person. They'll make a better future for you. It's in your hands. It's what I really want you to understand. This is not rocket science. It's not complicated. Yeah, they're real decisions, but the decisions you make, the choices you make, make you. And I trust this message is going to help you to make a great future because we know the plans that God has got for you are for good and not for evil. Plans to give you a future and a hope. God's declared will over your life is a blessed future, but it does take some right decisions. So Ruth, Ruth makes a fourth choice. And that choice was to be diligent. <laughs> she gleans in the fields of Moab under the heat of the sun, day in and day out. That was tough and hard work. So being Mother's Day, let me say something about the hardworking mothers that most of you mums are. I read this. She washed the cups, made the beds, did the plates. She just dressed the children made sure the socks matched, she combed their hair, gathered up the toys, dusted the chairs, went to work, returned, cooked a meal, did the laundry, polished the stove, some ironing, mopped the floors. The husband came home at 6 p.m., he sat down and he said, I've had such a tough day. Lucky for you, what exactly did you do? Well, <laughs> okay, mums, I think you know the point that I'm trying to make. We know how hard you work. And thank you, thank you, thank you on behalf of all the men. If your man doesn't thank you, I'm thanking you on behalf of them right now. Because I read this fantastic quote by C.S. Lewis that, mums, you're going to love this. Listen, the first of all professions is homemaking. All other professions exist only to support this one. The first of all professions is homemaking. Isn't this the truth? What is the foundation of our society? It's the home. If we get the home right, we're going to get the society right. So mums, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Keep up the great work that you're doing. So being Mother's Day, a daughter, she said, Mum, what's it like to have the greatest daughter in the world? <laughs> Mum said, I don't know, dear. You'll have to ask grandma. There you go. Well, can I tell you, Jody is the best daughter in the world. That's my daughter, if you don't know. So there was another choice that Ruth made. That was to live within God's boundaries. You see, Ruth lived a righteous life, 
a very righteous life. And her righteousness stood out in a culture of rampant sin and immorality. She stood against the tide. She held firm in her righteous stance to live for the God that she served. And we see the importance of living within the boundaries of God's word of this book. I read this. About very, they say very successful people, listen carefully, say no to most things. Wow. Why? So they can say yes to the right things. Always say yes to God. Sometimes if we say yes to too many other things, we're not going to be able to say yes to the things that God really wants us to do. And so... By the grace of God, we have to learn to say no if it's outside the boundaries of this book. And Titus 2, chapter 12 says, The grace of God teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives. We know Joseph. You know the story of Joseph. He said no to Potiphar's wife. He stayed within the boundaries of God's word. I want to encourage some of you. Stand in front of a mirror and practice saying no. Go on, do it tomorrow. No. Some of us, some of you struggle to say no when you know you should say no. And can I add this? No is a complete sentence. You don't have to add to it. Don't make excuses. Don't lie. <laughs> no is no. And just leave it there. But hey, if we're going to live within the boundaries of this book, we have to learn to say no. Here's a quote for you by Ken Ham. It's time for a new reformation in the church to call the church back to the authority of the word of God beginning in Genesis. Genesis to Revelation. That's our book. That's what we want to follow. So we want to live within the boundaries, if you like, of this book. Okay, because that's what's been recorded for us. This is the number, think about this. This is the number one bestseller of all time. Translated into more languages than any other book in history. Read by more people. Why? Why would that be? Well, because number one, it's written by God. But it's also a manual of how to live your life successfully and to come under the favor and the blessing of God. It's a book where you find hope. It's a book where you find comfort. It's a book where you can hear the voice of God. This is the greatest book ever written. And so the challenge is to live within the boundary. So here I've got this pulpit sort of thing here. Look at this. Think of this as a boundary. Boundaries. And God wants us to live inside of these boundaries. The temptation is we, we want to go over the edge. We just want to put a, a tiptoe over the edge. But the problem is when we go over the edge, we're going to fall into, into a cliff or fall into some kind of trouble. We all know that there's, you, you go out traveling and there's signs here, danger, keep out. <laughs> you know, don't cross this line. We know a lot of people think, no, 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 I'm, I, I know better. They cross the line, either get injured. Some of them you actually never hear from them again. Within the boundaries of God's word, you're going to find Provision, power, 
protection, the presence of God. You're going to find life itself. See, God is not a killjoy. Some people think, well, if I stay within the boundaries of this book, you know, doing what God says, my life's going to be miserable. No, the opposite is true. <laughs> the truth sets you free. This book will fill you with peace, fill you with joy, fill you with answers, fill you with fulfillment and satisfaction and purpose in life. It's the manual for living. Much of our world has thought, forget this book. I'm going to live by my own boundaries. Well, look at the state of the world today. It is a complete, total, and absolute mess. So we've been during this lockdown, shutdown, meltdown, call it what you like, breakdown, some people call it, rundown. Um, I did a bit of a devotion on that the other day. Uh, but during this time, we've been stripped back to the basics. Is that right? So home cooking, mums, God bless you. Thank you so much. Uh, family meals, time with the kids, less shopping. Yeah, I know Jody struggled with that. Have to be content with just what you've got. So we've been cut right back. Here's a thought. We've been cut back to the basics. Why don't we get back to the basics in our spiritual life? Why don't we just get back to the simplicity of prayer, reading the word, living inside its boundaries, maybe rich habits like spending time with family and friends and loving people a little bit more. Let, let's cut it right back. And you know those, when you cut it right back, they're the foundations upon which you can build a blessed life and a wonderful future for yourself. They say some Christians <laughs> take better care of this thing than of their own souls. So make sure that gets charged up regularly. Why? Well, you don't want to miss any messages, do you? You know, you might get a text come through. There might be something on, on, on Facebook or Instagram or, you know, a, a funny picture that someone's put. You don't want to miss it, do you? So you make sure this thing's charged up and you are devastated if, it, if, it's, if it, you run out of charge. Hey, what about charging up your own spiritual life? What about charging up your soul so you can hear messages from heaven? You can hear messages from God. You can find out what He's saying to you. Let's come back to the basics. Jody just said something to me about living in God's boundaries. Here's a thought for you. I reckon kids feel more loved and secure when they have boundaries put around them. And I think it's true for you and me as well. We feel more secure when we have boundaries that God has placed around our lives. So can I just talk a little bit more about this fifth great decision of living within the boundaries because it gets challenging when life gets tough. See, with the famine in Judah, Limelech decided he went back to Moab. Now God had said, look, when you're in a famine, if you stay in the boundaries of Israel, I will look after you. And Limelech thought, no, I can't trust God and his word. <laughs> I'm going to go outside the boundaries. And you know what happened? He died as did his sons. He probably thought he was going to get back one day, but he actually never, ever got back. And we can experience a famine in many areas of our lives, and the temptation is then to step outside the boundaries. So can I encourage you? Establish personal boundaries for your life. Why don't you think about that? Why don't you write some of them down? Because, see, boundaries protect the inner core of your being and the great future God has for your life. 
Boundaries are what you have decided you will do and what you won't do. And they're really important to have. God's boundaries, remember, don't spoil the party. They make the party, <laughs> all right? God's word, you know, boundaries are to protect our life, not to limit our pleasures. Look, I'm, I have more pleasure, fulfillment, enjoyment today than I did when I had it in my non-Christian life. It's just a fact I have more peace, more purpose, more fulfillment, more hope. It all comes by living within the boundaries of God's word. This is not to restrict your life. This is to open it up to the favor, the blessing, and the goodness of all the things that God has got for you. Now, you may find, let me look at just at a few areas. You may find yourself in a financial fa a famine. What are you going to do? Stay in the boundaries. Keep giving to God. His Jews? Or do you think, nah, let's go outside the boundaries for a while, look after myself while I pay off a few debts, and then one day I'll come back to it. You're going to soon find it doesn't work. Give to God what is due to God. Stay in the boundaries. The word works. This thing works. <laughs> I've proven it. Millions, if not billions of Christians around the world have proven the word works. It's powerful. I remember reading of a man that received this unbelievable inheritance, multiple millions. The only issue was he had to go to another country. And he had to leave the church he was in. His church, kids loved the church. They were going on for God. The place he had to move to didn't have that kind of a church. Would you believe he turned down an inheritance of multiplied millions? And they asked him the question, why would you do that? He said this. There's some decisions you have to make if you want to keep your kids in the faith. Do you know all his kids went on to serve Jesus? Wow. Now, you may face a famine of love. Hmm. <laughs> Ruth faced this one. Single people may despair of ever finding a Christian husband or wife. And just over the border in Moab, on the desk next to you, there's this nice man or woman, and you know they are interested. The problem is they're not saved. The temptation, let's go outside the boundaries of the book, which says, hey, we're not to marry or get involved with non-Christians. Young people often say to me, I've heard it so many times, Pastor, no talent in this place. <laughs> I look at them, some of them, and I think, you're not exactly Mr. Universe or Miss World yourself. <laughs> so <laughs> all you need is one. All right. Hey, young people, older people, if you're single, the book, stay within it. Let me give you a scripture. 2 Corinthians 6 verse 1. Do not be yoked together with unbelievers. So even a famine of, in your marriage, loneliness, work on your marriage. Don't go outside the boundaries of God's word. As Ruth made these right choices, guess what? Stayed within the boundaries. She came under the providential care of God, which means God worked everything for her good. Two things about providential care. One is timing. She arrives at Israel at exactly the time of the barley harvest, which means that God engineered it. It was an opportunity to glean and also to meet Boaz. Providence, God times her life perfectly. Secondly, he guides her life. Ruth 2 verse 3. As it turned out, she found herself working in the field belonging to Boaz. She was allowed to glean in any field, but it just happened that she was in the field where Boaz would be. As she surrendered her life to God, she came under his providential care, his timing and his guidance. As I wrap this up, 
as a widow in Moab, Ruth would never have imagined the incredible blessing and future God had for her. She became the great-grandmother of King David. The despised Moabitess was grafted into the lineage of Christ. And all came about by five decisions. Number one, I want you to draw a line in the sand today and make these decisions. Number one, give your life to Jesus. Secondly, fully trust God with your whole life and your future. Make a choice that you are never, ever going to turn back from following God. Be diligent and stay within the boundaries of God's Word. Allow Ruth to inspire you and me today to make right choices and step into the wonderful future that God has for you and for me. God bless you and happy Mother's Day. If you don't know Jesus, if you've never made that first right choice, can I encourage you? It's a pathway to creating a great future for your life. Without it, life's just not going to work that well. But if you'll make this first one great decision, then you can follow it up with other decisions as well. Your choices create your future. I'm telling you from the depths of my being, the single greatest choice you could ever make in your life is to give your heart to Jesus Christ. You'll be saved. Your name will be written in heaven. And when you pass from this life, you'll spend an eternity with Jesus in that wonderful place where there is no more suffering, sorrow, sickness, pain, loneliness. All of life's woes on earth are gone. And you have this wonderful future with Jesus for eternity. If you want to give your life to Jesus or if you're away, if you're one that turned away from God, hey, it doesn't matter. You can come back and God's still got a great future for you. Pray this simple prayer with me. Dear Jesus, I thank you for what you did for me upon the cross of Calvary. You shed your blood. You gave your life that I might have life. Today, I make my choice, Lord Jesus, to give my life to you. I confess my sins. I ask you to forgive me. And now, Lord Jesus, come into my heart. I receive you as my Lord and Savior. Amen. If you prayed that prayer, please do press the button on your device there. We'd love to contact you and be in touch with you. If you're watching on Shine, please contact those at Shine. Otherwise, contact us at infochurchunlimited.nz. God bless you. I want us to sing a song now that just flows in with what I've shared with you today. It's a song, one of my favorite songs, and it's called The Goodness of God. All my days I'll sing. This is my testimony of the goodness of God. That's what happens once you give your life to Jesus. So wherever you are, why don't you stand, lift your voice, and let's sing together the goodness of God.